Welcome to Grace this weekend. Glad you are here. My name is Ryan. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if you've heard of the guy that uses the whiteboard a lot, that would be me. And I'm glad that I get to be with you. And this is probably a great time for me just to remind you, in case you were wondering, uh, we do have five other services, just in case you wondered if there's a place for more seats. So keep those in mind. We have a, a building called the Extension right down the street here. Love to have you check that out if you never have, and a fantastic experience there. But thanks for being here this weekend. We are wrapping up this series. I have loved this series. I don't know about you guys, but this series, Creatures of Habit, uh, we've been in the last handful of weeks, I think has been fantastic. And uh, what we've really been saying is there's a huge portion of what we do as human beings that is really just out of sheer habit. Right? About 40% of what we do is almost kind of automatic, right? There, there are pieces of our lives that we've picked up along the way, right? Either intentionally or unintentionally, and, and there's almost an autopilot to it, right? Some habits, like we said, we picked up, some have been built in. We've worked at making sure those things are a part of what we do and how we function, and then some kind of just get, get pulled in along the way. And what we've been also saying is those habits kind of have a range of impacts. Some are very good, right? There's, there's kind of a positive outcome to having these habits in our lives. Some habits are very destructive, right? When I do some bad habits, those things bring destruction into my life. And then there's a middle ground as well. We've been calling it kind of the benign habits or neutral habits that really don't have a big impact on me either way, right? It's, it's kind of the fluff of life, stuff that really doesn't make an impact. And we said in our day and age, right, kind of in the culture that we live in, the, the, the biggest temptation we have is probably to fill our lives with some of these neutral habits. Kind of, they're not terrible. They're not really super wrong. But, but if we're not careful, we can give ourselves to things that really don't have a ton of meaning, we said that's probably the temptation of the day. And so what we wanted to do over the course of this series is really look at what it would look like to build in spiritual habits. So if we worked at that, putting that into the 40% that kind of drives a big portion of our lives, would that have a big impact on us? And if you guys have been around for the last handful of weeks, you've seen that probably impact you in some ways. If you jumped into that fast, congratulations, you made it, right? We're wrapping that up this weekend. If you've been reading your Bible or praying, there's kind of the three aspects we've been talking about over the last handful of weeks. Congratulations, you are kind of doing the habits that we have been talking about. And I think we're going to see there's a profound impact when we continue to do that. That's what we want to do today is talk a little bit at a higher level. When, when we embrace these habits over time, where does that take us? And how big of a deal is it really if I pray or I fast or I do some of these spiritual habits? If I do those over time, where will that lead me and what kind of person will I be if I go down that road? Maybe the flip side is also true. If I ignore those habits... Right? And, and I choose to put other things in my 40%, where will that lead me? And is, is there actually a big difference? And I would submit to you that there is a massive difference and that, that habits are almost hard to see how big of an impact they actually make on us. And we want to see what happens as we look at a couple different roads that those can really lead down. And I, I would lean into this statement. I didn't put this in your notes, but I want to make sure you guys have it jot it down here, I said this, I said that my habits create my path. My habits create my path. Right, so we'll look at this verse here first. This is in Galatians 
chapter 6. Check it out with me. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, or we just threw it up on the screen. And we're going to see where this all comes from. The Apostle Paul says this, Galatians 6, 7. He says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We looked at this verse a handful of weeks ago. Pastor Jeff kicked us off, and here's what we're saying. We said, we're naturally going to invest ourselves in something, right? It's kind of those habits. When I sow this farming analogy, when I plant myself or invest myself into pleasing the flesh or the sinful nature, what Paul's saying is there's a principle that's kind of universal. I am going to reap what I sow. It's kind of a matter of fact. Whatever I'm going to plant, I'm going to grow something from that. I'm ultimately going to reap destruction is what Paul's going to say. When I choose to please myself and please my flesh, I'm going to experience destruction in my quality of life. He, here, Paul's not even really talking about heaven and hell. It's more a matter of in my lifetime, in my experience of life, I'm going to experience this destruction that, that Paul would talk about. He said the flip side's also true. When I sow to please the Spirit, when I chase after God, what happens is I actually am reaching into what I'm made to become. I'm going to reap eternal life. Some of us are good thinkers here, so you're saying, is Paul saying that if I do spiritual habits, if I sow to please the Spirit, that I'm actually earning my salvation? Not at all. It's not what he's saying here at all. Is eternal life real and true? Is heaven real? Absolutely. Does it last forever? Absolutely. What Paul's talking about here is really not even heaven. Eternal life, as Paul's defining it here, is actually a quality of life that we can start experiencing today if we put our faith in Christ. This is the kind of life that Jesus died to give us. It's the kind of life that that God created us to have. It's a life, right, where there is joy and there is peace, and there is purpose. And man, it's actually what we're all looking for. And Paul's saying, when I sow into the spiritual realm, I'm going to start to experience the benefits of that eternal life. John would define eternal life this way, that it's actually just knowing God. A relationship with God, I'm going to start to experience the benefits that come when I interact and I have a, a loving relationship with my Creator. Two very different paths. And like we said before, my habits create my path, right? My habits create my path. Sometimes we'll look and say, am I on the right path in life? And maybe a better question would be this. I want to look at my habits and say, am I engaging the habits that will put me on the path that I want to be on, right? Because my habits create my path. So profound verse I want to show you guys real quick in the book of Proverbs a guy wrote this who, at the time, God would say is the wisest man on the planet, right? Solomon. And this guy's going to talk a little bit about what we give ourselves to and what we put our trust in. And this is what we're going to see as we dive into this conversation, try to wrap it up. These little habits, I would submit to you, build the habit of trusting in the Lord at a higher level, right? When I read my Bible, when I pray, when I fast, I'm bolstering my trust in God. And this is what Solomon's going to talk to us about here in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. We put it on the screen for you. Let's read it together. It says, Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Let me read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. What is Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, saying right here? He's saying, when I habitually submit my, my lifestyle, my decisions, my ad- in all of my ways, when I put my trust in the Lord, what's going to happen is God's going to direct my life. He's going to straighten out my path, and His will for my life is going to play out. Right? He's going to make my paths straight. Does that mean that life's going to be easy or simple? Right? Or always be carefree? Absolutely not. But I will know that I'm living the life that God intended me to live. He'll straighten life according to his definition of straightness. Right? He says, this is what happens when you trust in the Lord, when I submit all of my ways to him. He says, what you don't want to do is lean on your own understanding. Right? It's kind of the opposite of trusting in the Lord. It's putting my trust in kind of my own perspective, my own understanding. You guys ever done this before? Man, I totally did this uh, a few weeks ago. This is uh, probably too new to share. We just moved, my family and I, and now uh, we've got uh, we got four kids. So there's six of us. We moved into this older home that hadn't been lived in for about a year. Okay, so you put six people in a house, man. You start firing up all the systems of the house, and guess what happens? Stuff starts breaking like fast, right? So we, we all move in together. And I'd never had a septic system before, right? Some of you guys have septic systems. So I'm hanging out in my backyard. Remember, it was beautiful in December, and uh, so we're hanging out outside. I started to get this smell. And I was like, what is that, you know? And so I'm like, so something's wrong with my septic system. So I call this guy out, right? And he's a super nice guy. He comes out, gets down in, in the dirt with me by my septic system. He talks me through. He says, hey, man, if you do X, Y, and Z, he goes, I bet you you could fix this by yourself. He's like, or oh, I can do it for 500 bucks. And I was like, I'm going to try to do this myself, you know, right? 500 bucks, that's huge. Okay, I'm going to try to do it. And so I go out. Uh, I'm not very handy, by the way. If it doesn't involve chopping wood, using a chainsaw, or having something to do with building my wood pile, I'm not that handy, just so you know, right? So I'm like, I'm going to go try this myself. And I was able to go out, and I fixed my own septic system. And I was like, I'm the king of the universe, <laughs> right? I have fixed something I knew nothing about. So I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know? I just moved in, fixed something in my home. I feel awesome. So three days later, guess what happens, right? We, I go into the laundry room, and uh, some water had backed up into my laundry room. I was like, okay, um, this can't be that hard to fix, right? It's just a drain back up. How hard can it be? You know, I'll go get a snake, and uh, I'll rent one. I've got a, a gift card from Home Depot, and I'll go down and I'll rent myself a snake and I'll use it and we'll bust that drain out and I will have fixed two things in a week. I'm like man of the year, you know, this is awesome. And I'm like, I got YouTube, I got Google, I might as well be a genius, you know, I can fix anything. That's how it started, it was beautiful, wonderful, visions of grandeur in my head. So I take my Home Depot gift card and I start on this journey to fix my own clogged drain, simple enough. I go down to Home Depot, the one right down the street, Home Depot in my card in my pocket, and, right, and I go down there, and they're like, hey, man, th- there's no tool rental here, you know? There's not one big enough. And I said, okay, no big deal, right? He said, there, there actually is a home 
Depot tool rental in Wadsworth if you want to drive down there. So I drove home, and I just had the first flicker of thought in my mind. I thought, and maybe I should just call a plumber, you know? Maybe I should just make this whole thing simple. I went home, thought about it a little longer. I thought, you know, I, I did fix that septic system. I can do this, right? I, I am a man. I'm going to do this. So I thought to myself, I'm going to grab my son. He's nine years old, and I'm going to show my son what happens, right, how a man fixes something in his home when it's broken, right? So I grabbed my son, and we drove to Wadsworth, and we went to Home Depot, and I was like, here we go. Got my gift card with me. I show up. I pick out the snake, talk to the guy. He tells me which one to get. I take it over the counter. I'm about to pay with my Home Depot gift card, and he goes, hey, uh, you need a credit card or your driver's license to rent a tool, I thought, surely that makes sense. It would be awesome if I would have brought my wallet with me, right? <laughs> oh, right, so I think this is getting complicated. I drive my 15, 20 minutes back home, right, son in my car, and I, I think, yeah, I should totally call a plumber, right? I'm, I'm starting to process that this is a good idea to do this. I drive home, my son is like, Dad, how much time is left before Home Depot closes? We could get your credit card, get your wallet, go back to Home Depot, and we can make this thing happen. I'm like, all right, son, let's do it, right? We got 15 minutes, let's make it happen. We headed on the road, may have broken the speed limit on the way, right? I show up, we get this monster, the biggest one you can get, man, Mongo Super Snake. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, really know nothing about it. I get the guy, the Home Depot guy, we put it in my hatch back in my car. It's like 250 pounds, right? I had no idea how big this thing was. Get it home, I think, how am I going to get this thing out of my vehicle? My son is nine. I'm probably on my own, right? So I get it out, totally tweak my back, like getting this thing out. I get it down. And then I get the snake into my laundry room, and I'm still, even though I'm like three trips into Home Depot, tweaked back, I'm still largely optimistic at this point, although there's a thought in my mind, I'm, I might still have to call a plumber, right? Like, if this doesn't work out, but I'm, I'm mostly still good to go. Here's, my, my wife decided to, to document this with photographs. She thought it may make a good memory, right? And so... <laughs> look at me, look how positive I was, right? I'm so optimistic. And look at that hole down there. You see the hole on the right? It looks so nice and clean. It's good. So there's the snake that I got. And I start going to town on this thing. I put the snake into the drain. And I get down about like, I don't know, a foot and a half. And it just gets stuck. I'm like, wow, it was really fast. I thought it would be like, you know, 50 feet down. And so I start grinding away. I don't know if you've ever used one of these snakes. Super powerful. You plug it in the wall. It's like alive. It's scary. Right? And I'm grinding away at this. And I'm going for a while, and I call my buddy, and I'm like, hey, man, you know a little bit more about this than I do. Like, I'm getting stuck right away. What should I do? He tells me, like, the worst thing you could ever tell me, okay, as a human being. He says, he says Ryan, you're not going to break anything. Just kill it, right? So for the next three hours... Here's me, right, grinding away in my drain, just trying to make it happen. It was awesome. And then what happened is, right, finally, I, I felt the snake give, right, about a foot. And I was like, I've done it. I'm victorious, right? I busted through. It then hits another clog. And I go, what, what's that all about? So I start reeling it out, and I totally destroyed the end of the snake. I, I have now broken a tool from Home Depot. <laughs> Please don't report me, right? So I broke this snake 
And uh, now I, it's 11.30 at night. I'm completely exhausted. All the muscles of my body are fried. I'm sweating. And, and here's what I look like at that point. <laughs> Complete disillusionment, right? My hopes were so high when I started, and now I was lost, you know? And so I've got a, a piece of the snake uh, broken off into my pipe. Uh, I got a lot of trips into Home Depot. I'm, I'm very tired and pretty frustrated. And now here, here's what my laundry room looks like. Oh, yeah. I have now made a mess, people. That's what happened. Now you feel my pain. So what did I do? Uh, I called the plumber, right? <laughs> I, I did that, yeah. All the wives in the room are like, see, he's just like you, right? So the plumber comes out. It was awesome, kind of. It was a little too soon, but he looked at the hole and the big mess that I made. He kind of stood there and looked at it for a moment. Huh. I'm not kidding. Then he went five feet to the right, and he's like, you actually wanted to go through this pipe. <laughs> I was like, are you serious, right? He snakes it out in 15 minutes and goes home. I gave him a check, and it was the best check I ever wrote in my life. <laughs> Folks, this is what happens when you lean on your own understanding, okay? <laughs> Hope that is burned into all of our memory. This is the idea, right? God's like, hey, this whole life thing, I kind of figured it out, right? I kind of know how this works. And so you can be frustrated and do it on your own and beat your head against a wall. And you can just like call the plumber, you know. This is what I want to do for you. I, I want to give you a level of understanding that is higher than your own. This is what God's saying. And what happens when, when I live a lifestyle like this, where I lean on my own understanding, not just in a small way or a one-time thing, but when I make it the habit of my life, is that creates something. And it's actually pretty fascinating. We're going to look at a picture in a minute. The, the Bible gives me a picture of what I become when I live here all the time, when I kind of embrace leaning on my understanding. The Bible will give me another picture of what happens when I put my trust in the Lord. Right, when I reach out into his perspective and I ask for his wisdom, his guidance in my life, and I make building my trust in God the habit of my life. Two totally different paths, totally different directions. I want to show you this in the Bible. It's pretty awesome. We're going to look at it. It's in Jeremiah chapter 17. And if you have a Bible, I would ask you to turn there, or you can use your smartphone or iPad or whatever. And at Jeremiah 17, also there's some Bibles underneath the chairs there. And if you don't have a Bible or a newer translation, you can actually grab that Bible, take it home with you. We'd love for you to just have a copy of God's Word that you can use on your own. Jeremiah, as you're turning there, I'll give you some background. He's a prophet, which means he speaks for God, like directly. Like God would give these prophets messages, and then they would, they would speak the words directly that they heard from God, and they would give them to the people. And he's leading the people of Israel who, long, Israel who kind of have walked away from God, and he's helping them to see the outcome of these two different ways that they can choose, right? They're kind of at a fork in the road and saying, what do I want to build here? What do I want to grow? How do I want my life to look? And here's what he said, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. It's page 537 in those Bibles under the chairs. Jeremiah says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, 
and whose heart turns away from the Lord, that person, here's your first picture, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands, right? A shrub in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying, when I put my trust in myself or in my culture, what happens is I'm going to become a shrub alone. Right? I'm going to peek out early. Right? And I'm not going to have the resources in the wasteland to be able to grow me into fullness. I'm a shrub in the wasteland. He's going to flip it and say there's another picture, verse 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Never fails to bear fruit. He's saying the person who makes it their habit to build up and activate their trust in God, that person's like a tree that, that's planted by an unlimited source of water. Right? The, the, the roots are going to go right into the stream, and they're going to draw the resources they need to grow to their maximum potential, to be, to be strong, to bear fruit. And no matter what comes, when heat comes, when drought comes, doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. When adversity hits, the tree is prepared right? because it's planted by the water. J- Jeremiah is saying, people of Israel, please understand the what I put my trust in, what I put my confidence in, will lead me into two very different places. Shrub in the wasteland, a tree by the water. What I want us to see is that this happens a little bit at a time. Right? If, if we're going to look at kind of the, the trajectory, the, the growth of a shrub or the growth of a tree, we're going to see they're, they're very different paths. And you can start to understand if we were to break it down how you would get to one or how you would get to the other. Here's kind of how I think of it. Because I think in whiteboards, by the way. That's just how my mind works. Right? If, if I go over time of growth, right, in this way, on this axis here, is, is really what we're measuring is life. You know, that, that tree is full of life. It's got the resources that makes it grow. It's, it's also, there's a difference between the two in security, right? That, that tree is solid. Heat will not take it down. Drought will not take it down. The bush is deprived of all of its resources. It's alone. It's out in the wasteland. And then finally is impact. Right? The tree bears fruit. It contributes, right, to the world around it. Its, its leaves are always green, the bushland has nothing to offer anyone in its isolation and it's anemic in its resources. There, there's no life, there's no impact, there's no security. And I want us to see that these things grow completely different. So here's how the shrub might grow. A shrub is going to grow pretty fast, right? It's going to grow pretty quick. It's going to sprout up, but then it's going to hit a peak pretty early and it will begin its death march right away. 
So if, if I take the road of living in the wasteland and taking the resources from the wasteland, I might look and say, man, the shrub seems to be working at first glance right away. It feels like there's impact. The way that the tree grows is going to be different. The tree grows slow and steady, but man, it never stops, right? Its growth into life and security and impact is exponential. It's the long view. I actually found this one uh, survey, global survey done on how trees grow. It's fascinating. Trees actually grow faster as they get older. I didn't know that. This tree will continue to grow and become bigger and bigger and bigger. Here's what I would say, right? Trusting in culture or trusting in self causes me to peak low and it causes me to peak early. I'm going to peak out and start to die. When I put my trust in the Lord, I will peak late and I will peak high, right? I'm going to grow into all that God wants me to be. I'm going to become stronger and better over time. I want us to see the difference, though. Look how this works. Because if I, practically speaking, am going to live like a tree or live like a shrub, I'm going to be faced with daily decisions that are going to show up on this spectrum. So if I take the road of the shrub, I would submit to you that these decisions feel better in the short run. Right? When I'm at work and a, someone who's not my spouse begins to, to flirt with me or give me attention, I'd submit to you that that's going to feel really good to embrace that attention or embrace that flirting. I would even go as far as to say, I bet you if you had an affair, it would probably feel really good in the short run for a little bit of time. It might even feel like you, re- you found the one and you didn't know and did but watch what happens. Even though in the short run, I believe that this is going to bring life and security and impact, what happens is when my kids find out and my wife finds out and my friends find out, I'm going to begin the death march of reaping what happens when I draw resources from the wasteland. Right? That's what happens. If I'm thinking, right, I'm going to jump into this situation and I'm going to shortcut, right? I'm going to, instead of looking at what God has said and making small investments to become the tree planted by the water, right? What would God say? When I am faced with temptation, I want to double down on my marriage commitment. God would say, hey, rejoice in the wife of your youth, Double down. When you're feeling tempted, double down on your marriage investment. What will happen is is that will over time bear fruit and become strong and become rich. If I'm looking, if I've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, we're looking to move into each other. In the short run, it feels like the natural thing to do to, to move into each other, right? Move in with each other, live together. It's cheaper, right, to embrace sexual immorality. But God would say, you understand, walking not in my voice but in the voice of the culture is going to harm you. Right? When that doesn't work out and you have to break up and now you're, you've lived with multiple people, that affects you. It causes damage to you emotionally, hurts you. Right? God, God says fight for sexual purity. It's what's best for you. 
When I'm looking, I'm saying, I'm going to shortcut right, at work. I'm going to cook the books, and I'm going to not report some income, and I'm going to right, not turn in my tips if I'm a server. I'm going to do something that makes sense to me. I'm going to listen to the voice and the message of the wasteland. It makes sense in the moment. Right here. Right? If I measure my effectiveness in my decisions right here, this feels like a genius idea. And I would submit that this one feels really hard to choose. If I, instead of shortcutting, cheating, cutting a corner, lying, if I instead choose to do the right thing even though no one's looking, I make that small little investment, here's what I think might happen. Over time, people would begin to notice and God would begin to bless. And, and people would begin to look at that guy or that lady and say, you know what, you are the real deal. What's different about you? What makes you tick? What's the reason for the hope that's within you? And I would venture to guess that what would happen at some point is we would have an opportunity to share the reason for the hope that we have. We could actually tell somebody about Jesus and affect their eternal destiny. I bet you we would bear fruit because we're becoming people of integrity and people of character. But here's the thing. This is what Jeremiah is telling us. He's saying, you, you can't look at the short run. You can't look at what pops up quick. You have to look at the long view and see it differently. I, I was... Uh, going on these hikes with my kids this, this last summer, and I would go through the metro parks, and I came across this tree. And I thought, this is amazing. My kids sat up, and I took a picture of it for you. Look at that. Look at that tree. Is that thing awesome? I want to be like that tree, solid, right, anchored in who God is. I want to grow to become like that. And here's the thing we, we want to begin to realize, guys. We don't have an option. We live in the midst of wasteland messaging. All right, we're surrounded by wasteland messages. There, there are uh, voices screaming to us all the time, everywhere. We, every time I turn on my phone or the TV or the radio, when we drive out of here and, and go to lunch, we're, we're going to be inundated with wasteland messages that scream, you can have a whole lot for a very little price. And you can have it quick, and you can have it now, and you can have it all that you ever dreamed of, and there won't be any message that tells the other side of the story. Right? We live in the midst of wasteland resources, and when I feed myself in the wasteland, and I believe and put my confidence and hope in, in the voices and the messages of the wasteland, I just need to understand that I'm going to just be a shrub. That, that's just what it is. I'm not even sure if God's intervening here and creating cursing, is what Jeremiah is saying. I think he's saying, if you feed yourself wasteland, all you get is shrub. If I want to be a tree by the water, I somehow have to figure out how do I remove some distractions, create some space, and start to listen to the voice of God and plant myself by the water. I have to work that out. Because there will never be a commercial to follow Jesus. 
It's not loud. There's not going to be flashing signs that say, read your Bible, right? You're not going to get text messages or telemarketers or anybody else saying, you need to pray today. The only way that's going to happen is if I fight to hear the voice of God in my life. You guys seeing this? When we look at the trajectory of our lives, I'm, I'm either living out the life cycle of a shrub in the wasteland or I'm living like a tree planted by the water. And I would say these are completely different things. And every time I make investments here, I'm growing and building something that will make me continue to grow throughout my life. I ran into a guy a handful of years ago. He's in his 80s. And, uh, right, older gentleman, love the Lord, full of wisdom, peaceful. Uh, I don't think he had any regrets. He knew he was a sinful guy, but he was loaded with gentleness. This guy had read through the Bible over 80 times in the course of his life. He loved his family. He led his family. He loved his grandkids and he prayed for his grandkids. And he impacted hundreds and hundreds of people, not quickly, not in a flashy way, in a slow, steady way. That guy was a tree planted by the water. He never stopped growing. When drought hit his life and heat came into his life, he was solid. I want to be like that guy. I want to be an oak. I had some time off to think about this over the last uh, few weeks. I was over, over the holidays, had some time to reflect and just hang out with my family a little bit. I usually do this, like kind of what we're doing now. I kind of think through where's my life headed. And I was asking myself the question, I was saying, Ryan, if you had to boil down one habit that is like an, a non-essential Right, actually, and essential, right? It's like a non-negotiable. No matter what, this habit has to show up in my life. I was asking myself the question, what would that habit be? Right, because every year I kind of do this reflection thing. It's hard to fight for a bunch of habits, but so what's the one? I, I was asking myself, is it, is it making sure I can have my financial future secure and set and investing and making sure that's good? I think that's important. It's not where I landed. I ask myself, is it uh, you know, exercising daily on a regular basis, making sure my body is as fit as it could possibly be? I think that's important. It's not where I landed. I even ask myself, is it investing in my family? You know, my wife, I got four kids. Is that the most important habit that I could give myself to? If I had to boil it down to just one that would really lead me towards all the rest, the place where I landed wasn't in any of those. I landed with the simple habit of daily meeting with God. That's it. Of, of daily pushing pause. Stopping, being still, saying, God, you, you know all that's on my plate. 
You know what my schedule is filled with, but I need to hear your voice. I want to open the words that you have spoken, you've recorded in your heart and your mind that's captured for me. I need to hear from you. I need your leadership in my life. I want to call the plumber, you know. Saying if I had one habit that would guarantee my track to this, it's, it's fighting to meet with God as often as I can, daily even. Now, I'm just like you guys, man. It, it's, it is the hardest habit for me to fight for. It's never going to be urgent. It's never going to be on fire, right? A fire that needs put out. It's a slow, quiet, high-impact habit that, that I would submit will change the trajectory of our lives. It's where I landed. And I said, I, I want more of that Check that. I need more of that. What led me to Jesus in the first place was growing shrubs and and watching them die. Growing a shrub, watching it die. Growing a shrub, watching it die. Right? I would listen to the, the voices of the wasteland. Right? Be a good person. Make some money. Have some sex. Right? It's all the voices. And I would watch those bottom out and I was saying, God, there has to be a better way. Not just to get me to heaven, but to do life. Guys, what do we do with all this? How do we approach this and how do we wrap this series up? Because you guys know how this works. We're going to finish the conversation today and then we're going to move on with life. Right? What I think we need to do is I have to look at, at where I am, what path I'm on, what habits are driving me there, and I have to ask myself the question, am I becoming a shrub in the wasteland or am I becoming a tree by the water? If I was super honest, which road am I actually on today? Right, if I look over the last five years, where am I headed? If I'm able to be honest with that, um, I think for most of us, at least for me, I, I realize I got to jump stronger onto this path. I think what's beautiful is the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, that no matter how many shrubs I grow and die, God is waiting and He's willing and He's open for me to jump onto this path. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And He's calling me to it. Right? So I figure out what I'm growing. If I'm on this path, I jump ship, right, and and go, and I want to do it God's way now. I I make that resolution in my heart. And here's some questions I was asking myself. I, I was asking myself this. What am I going to do to ensure that I stay on this path? I know God's grace does it. I know that God will protect us, all those things. But as far as it's up to me, what can I do to be on this path? That led me to another question. What distractions will I carve out of my life to ensure that I make room in my heart, in my life, in my calendar to meet with God? There's some questions that I was wrestling with. I'm still fighting for them. As I said, this is the hardest habit that I have to fight for in my life. 
Guys, I realize some of us are here and maybe started coming in the last few weeks. And you don't even know if you want to follow Jesus yet. I, it's fine. Maybe you're like me, right? And you're sick and tired of the voices of the wilderness. Man, they're so exhausting. That's how I came to know Jesus. I was sick and tired of living for myself and following what my culture told me to do and watching it bottom out. And you might just be saying, please tell me there's another way. Seriously. Then, then go do it your way and live for number one. It's, it's, it's kind of garbage. Right? Let me tell you this. If you don't know yet, if you want to follow Jesus, let me just say it starts with initial step to put our trust in Christ. That's where it all begins. That, that helps me jump ship from being a shrub to being a tree. How that happens is I look at what Jesus has done. Here's what Jesus did for me. Lived perfectly, never sinned, never did anything he wasn't proud of. Right? He followed God perfectly. And then what he offered me is to forgive me for my sin, my imperfection, for the things that I've done that I'm not proud of, which I have many. And he looks and says, will you believe that what I did for you is enough to pay for what you did against me? Would you put your faith in that? Would you trust in that? And when we do that, that begins a lifetime, a lifestyle of trusting in God. And here's what I can tell you. If you're in that place where you're wrestling with it, you're done with shrub life, and you don't know what to do next, here's what I'll tell you about following Jesus trusting in him. It will not be easy. It will not be pain-free. It won't, it won't solve all your problems. Here's my promise. It will lead you to life. You will find what you're looking for. That's what I can guarantee you. You will find what you're made to become in the kind of life that God created you to have and Jesus died to give you. You will find that can promise you that. It's as simple as saying yes to Christ. If you've never done that before, I would encourage you to do that for the first time. Just pray and say, Jesus, I want, I want in. I want to be this, not that. And guys, for the rest of us, if you've known Jesus for a while and you know what it's like to just hunger for, for God, the one that created us, you know, and that, that, that's a memory, maybe. And you want to get back on the track. Here's what I would remind us. Trusting in God is not, it's not something that we do once to make it into heaven. It's something that we do daily to make it through life. How do I make trusting in God a lifestyle? I want to answer that question. I want to remove some distractions and make some space Guys, finally, I think one of the biggest things we can do is if I want to put myself in a place where I cannot fail, I need a team. Right? That's why we do life groups here. That's why we do connect groups. We need each other. We need friends to help us stay on this road, right, and applause us toward following God. I think that's what it looks like. My shrub, my tree. I want to follow down the road that God would put me on 
right? Because I am, by nature, a creature of habit. I'm going to have the band come out. I want to pray for us as we close our time. Father, thank you that you love us enough to put us on a path that will cause us to grow the entirety of our lives. We thank you that you offer us the kind of life that we're going to really experience in heaven where we get to know you even today. God, I pray that you would elevate in our hearts and minds the gravity of what happens when we meet with you every day, not just run through a checklist or, or do religious practices, but, but meet with you, God. Help us to see what we become when we do that, changing from the inside out. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your protection. God, and I pray that each one of us would be moved towards chasing you down, planting ourselves by the water, and that years and decades down the road from now, we could look back with peace and joy to know that our days were well spent and well invested, Lord, that we will reap what we sow. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for putting us on this path.